Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. Thanks. I'm having one of those mornings. Oh no. What? what in what sense? W- woke up, stubbed my toe, banged my funny bone on the door. Oh dear. Spilt my coffee. Oh God, okay. Yeah. I was like walking around like a... So have you ever seen Wally? Yes, I have. I have. Yes. And Wally needs to recharge and he's just making those noises like... <laughs> that was basically me this morning. I'm now refreshed and awake and uh, I don't have COVID. I had to do another COVID test because, you know, I had a bit of a, a bit of a cold this week. Mm. And then my, <laughs> I was out shopping just, and uh, my phone pinged up with one of these red warnings. You've been in close contact with someone who has had COVID and you've been in contact with them for too long. You must get tested. Stay at home. So, wow. Test. Okay. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, still no COVID, so that's good. How are you, anyway? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, I am back in my old university town, which has been oh delightful. Yeah, so... Um, He's returned. Yeah, my college, uh, St. John's College, Oxford, um, there was a great exhibition that got put up celebrating diversity. So they basically had portraits of people from diverse backgrounds from around the college. So people working, obviously, college staff, um, students, mm. graduates, undergrads, really beautiful. Um, so I gave a bit of um, a short address last night uh, to introduce it. And the photos were taken by amazing portrait artist, uh, Robert Taylor. Like sort of nice. Outstanding photographer, has stuff up at the sort of National Gallery and all the rest of it. Um, that was a real joy. So love to be invited back. Uh, just always great to be here. Yes, I'm, That's nice, man. Good times. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I love it over here. It's um, really, really great. So In Oxford or just in the UK? ha, <laughs> ha. <laughs> back at uni, you know, it feels like a ho- it's always a homecoming to be here, you know, because I just, just like talking to the staff about all their programs, like trying to get more people in sort of access wise, people who don't always have access, like the most resources growing up. Mm. Some of the minds, some of the conversations, I was sitting next to someone at dinner and she, Ryan, she spoke English, Mandarin, Spanish and Arabic. Wow. Like the brain on this person. And then you know, another person's like, you know, that's, and those are the languages she's studying, right? Another mm. person, like a few a few seats down, was like studying synthetic biology. Another person was like a sort of, you know, world cancer expert oncology. Like, you know, you're meeting all, and that's that's what it was like here, like three years. 
of just nerding out, talking to all these people, going off through all this really exciting stuff with unbelievable brains. And I was saying to someone, being at uni like this was a bit like, because just getting into like a uni, it's so competitive getting in, but then it's like, it's like qualifying for the Olympics, getting knocked out in the first round because everyone you meet, basically, like most people are smarter than you. You're just happy to be at the Olympics. And then every now and again, you meet an absolute gold medal mind and you're like, that is a brain. Like, you know, I'm not, not talking myself down. I'm smart. Okay. But like, there's le- these people are geniuses. Like being in that environment is just like, your brain is just like sparking all the time. So yeah, just dipping back into this world is really, um, yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, it's been great. Dude, if I rocked up back at my old uni, they'd be like, hello, can we help you? <laughs> <laughs> there was that amazing tweet that was doing the rounds a little while ago, which was just like, uh, at my uni parents evening. Mm. Sorry, I've never seen your son before. <laughs> kind <of thing. laughs> I was like, can relate. Can relate. <laughs> can I say this quickly on uni, right? I didn't necessarily, I didn't love my law degree because I loved English and law was a thing I did as a pragmatic thing. But then I found mm. a way to love it and then like it really took off for me. And also the thing I have to say about uni as well is don't get me wrong. I'm completely aware that this environment that I'm in, that I went to union is so privileged. Like on the main road, like for example, small example, the main road is like super noisy, right? Like really loud. And you go behind the college walls and it's just like, it's like a, what well, they sort of noise cancelling. It's like a noise cancelling mm. courtyard. And like, it's so idyllic. And obviously I, I want, I want to help a lot more and shout out to the, pre- the outgoing president, Maggie Snowling, who has been incredible here. I want to do a lot more help with the access because I just want more people to have access to, and it's bigger than just one uni, but I just want more yeah. people to be able to like, just partake in it. And, um, I don't know, man, yeah, I, I think access, I want to spend man. a lot of the access, rest of yeah. access, 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 and just like, shout out to Nottingham Trent as well. I'm doing a, a workshop with them. Um, and a couple of them over the next few weeks, because I love that university. I love what they're doing. And I, just, I do still want to spend the bunk of my time providing access, mm-hmm. you know, to resources, to universities that don't have what, what Oxford has. Um, education man like just being there last night it really reminded me it's given me so much man like anyway yeah, yeah. let's get on to today i mean first of all we hope everyone's staying safe staying well getting vaccinated yeah. if you can getting that boost if you can no doubt right it's house went up on wednesday with mioa and janae don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer check the stadio outro playlist on spotify search for stadio outros uh i reckon that's all the admin Today we're going to, because it's a little bit quiet on the men's domestic calendar, so we're going to talk a little bit about some AFCON stuff. Maybe we'll talk about penalties. Mm. And then we've got a few questions that we want to go into. So I suppose let's get into it. Yep, yep. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Uh, Before we get on to the football-specific stuff, Holocaust Memorial Day today, Yep. So we just want to send our love out to anyone for who today can be especially heavy. Mm. We posted a tweet from the Stadio account earlier referencing the Stolpersteiner, which are a common thing in the city that we're based, Berlin. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're placed outside the last known residence of victims 
Yeah, we also post a link to an explainer on it because I think for a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people back home in the UK about it and they, they never know about the Stolpersteiner. But yeah, just thoughts with everyone who is a little bit heavier today. Yeah. Something else I wanted to talk about is the proposed law banning hijab in sports in France. Because when you were talking about access before, it was something that I, I wanted to mention anyway. Um, there's been some great writing about this and some great pieces about it. Bodomo Alu wrote something for The Telegraph about it. Miriam Walker-Khan did a great explainer online about it as well. While opposed by President Macron, it's going through the final stages of potentially being implemented. It's very easy for us to sit here, two dudes, neither of us Muslim, talking about hijab wearing during, through sporting participation. But for me, it's just such a, it's such a sad, cruel, completely pointless thing to implement. Mm. Because... Again, you were talking about access, like you're going to have thousands and thousands of, of Muslim women who are, going to have, who are going to be faced with an enforced decision between religion and sport as a passion yeah. and a hobby and in a pastime. And for me, that's so cruel. There were certain bans from organizations like FIFA, for example, that were lifted a long, long time ago. France is hosting the Olympics soon, and that's going to be, if this thing goes through, it's going to be faced with a problem. As I say, it's not yet finalized. We wanted to reference it and mention it. And it's something that I think I would recommend people keeping an eye on and going and reading about because we, we talk about a lot of this stuff before. We've talked about it with the women's game in football, specifically about how access and support and finance, uh, funding and infrastructure is so integral to providing opportunities for young girls to get into football, women who want to get into football at a later age, etc. And for something like this to to be proposed that targets a very specific group of people. It just feels like political opportunism. Let's be frank. Let's be, let's be frank. Yeah. Like what this um, is, and we know it's, where it's come from and we know who's put it forward. If you, you can, like I say, you can go and read about it. I give you three guesses. Where on the political spectrum, the people who put this forward came from. But um, this is yet yeah, another example of women's bodies and this time specific Muslim women's bodies being policed in a way that they didn't ask for, they don't need, and they don't want. Right. And by people who don't have their best interests in mind at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I cannot see how this is something that has even been put on the table personally. Yeah, yeah. Even the existence of the proposal, not the the conversation, because everyone can have conversations and that's, you know, freedom of speech, but the existence of the legislation just pushes the conversation, pushes the discourse, which is the point of it. Like, and it's ridiculous. It's just, it's so ridiculous that it almost doesn't merit. No, it merits discussion, but it doesn't merit um, dignity. doesn't merit respect. It, it deserves right. the fullest contempt um, proposal like this. Uh, women of any religion should have access to sport. Right. During a time where, I think there is a real opportunity for, or, or there seems to be, people finally seem to be waking up to the, to the fact that women's sport was so cruelly, what's the word? I'd say suppressed. Suppressed, yeah. Suppressed. Absolutely. It was suppressed. It was, yeah. Suppressed, underfunded, like we've mentioned before in the, in the UK, the FA's, the English FA's ban on women's football that's, that, that was, in, was in place for 50 years. Now where sporting governing bodies, media, etc. All seem to be waking up to the fact that the that women's sport in general, we're a football podcast, but women's sport in general needs to be given 
the respect and time and, and coverage that it deserves to, to even propose something like this, I just think is completely hideous. Yep. Um, let's talk AFCOM. And then we'll use this to segue into penalties. Some penalty chat after Wednesday's games on the timeline. A couple of the penalties in the Mali-Equatorial Guinea shootout were skied. Uh, Equatorial Guinea finally progressing against Mali. Uh, 6-5 on penalties. This big, look after, for them. Um, big look for them. It's a big look. A very big look indeed. Also in the other tie, in the round of 16, Egypt progressed against Ivory Coast. That's a huge tie, that. Yeah, they won 5-4 on penalties. A couple of things to note here. Wolf Zaha wants all of the smoke all of the time. It's funny because if you look at like, if you do like a, a Twitter search on Zaha angry, the, the amount of tweets and people going, why is he so angry? Like all the time. Why is he angry? At his t- the, I mean, anger's not a problem inherently. The main accusation I was seeing, seeing was anger at his teammates. That's mm. not a good look. Like, especially since, I mean, that Ivory Coast team had the pieces to do everything in that tournament. Like it was, it looked well balanced actually. I have to say watching them, everyone knew their role, right? Whether off the bench mm. or starting. And my God, like Halle, Kessier, this was a, was a special outfit. But Egypt, I've got to say, I've got to credit to them because they haven't really, um, they're playing this tournament almost like, and I've mentioned before the analogy of like heavyweight boxers that do jabs. Egypt mm. are jabbing. One thing I want to say about this tournament, I do love though, I love how the superstars have brought everything. Generally, I mean, so a couple have like mailed it in, but generally look people like so Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, they've gone all in. Sorry, I can like, hear Ghana Twitter firing up in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Ghana also like- Nigeria Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but can I, can I be frank about Ghana and Nigeria? Those teams are not as good as, they weren't good as advertised. They just weren't. Like, no, I think both, I think both were, were vastly overrated. Does that make sense? Like, you know, Comoros yeah. were very good. Like Comoros were very good. Look how hard they pushed the hosts, Cameroon, right? Like Cameroon mm-hmm. had to bring out, and Cameroon to me are really impressive because they've handled their business actually. Um, I was watching Comoros against Ghana. I was like, hang on a minute. Like Ghana are talking like they're being humiliated, but they're, they're really not. Like if you look at the quality of the actual football, same with Cape Verde. Cape Verde like are a small, you know, mm-hmm. relatively small population, but the football they play, like if you actually take on what was happening on the field, these aren't humiliating outcomes in my opinion, right? They're not humiliating outcomes. It's just like- It's like Carl said, man, anyone can get it. Anyone can get it. Anyone can get it. The one slightly interesting thing about this, yeah, but what's interesting with the the round of 16 is we've seen for the most part, the the, the favoured team going through or in quotes, the the Mm. better team, historically, the kind of the better known team. Obviously, Egypt, Ivory Coast, there's not much between them. Um, And I funnily enough think that, weirdly enough, I marginally, I feel that Ivory Coast is actually marginally a better side than Egypt, I think. Like if they, at their peaks, I think that Ivory Coast are marginally better. Not much in it. But yeah, I, I just love how the majority of the stars have really brought brought their best. You know, the quarterfinals are tasty: Gambia against Cameroon, Burkina Faso against Tunisia. Which I, I, out of all four, Burkina, of them, I'm low key Burkina, looking forward to that. Is Burkina like, tasty? Burkina, Burkina tasty. Faso against Tunisia are gonna, is going to be fun. And they're going through it. Their presidents resigned. Shout out to them because they're going through it politically as well. Yeah. They're going through it. Uh, yeah. Egypt against Morocco is going to be another spice. Another oh, binder, I think. The chat that's going to be flying. And can I say that is probably the wildest WhatsApp group without question. I've got to say that Egypt, Morocco, the WhatsApp group, the chat and the memes are probably the most intense in that context. That's probably a big one. And then Senegal, Equatorial Guinea again. They're four really good games there, man, I think. Yeah. Let's talk about penalties. Let's talk about them. 
Duncan Alexander, the great. Yes. Duncan wrote a thing about the penalties from Mali, Equatorial Guinea. Two out of 23 shots on target in Mali versus Equatorial Guinea. Now the first penalty has gone into outer space. <laughs> and another one, yet a, yet a successful Penenka has been the most criticised effort of the shootout on comms. Why do people hate expertly, gently lofted shots so much? We had a question about this, mm, okay. which came from Foxy. Hello, Fox Fox. This question, why are Penenka penalties hated? So let's talk about Penenkas. Because I thought when I was, I mean, Eric Bailly's short run-up, no-look, attempted chip into the top corner. So chaotic. Was so telegraphed. So chaotic. I mean, it's a really good save, but I think it was still very, very telegraphed. Uh, I thought the Penenka thing. I mean, do you remember was it Adam, it was Adam Ollukman's one for Fulham, right? Yes, yes. That effectively was caught. Did, yeah, in the last minute against a rival that you should be taking points on. Yeah, well, rival at the time because it was at West Ham, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Fulham West Ham, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right. So why why do people hate Penenka so much? Because they seem to make a mockery of something so serious. True. It's like rapping. It's like rapping during a wedding vows. Like it's just. It's like everyone is meant to be. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, it's like dropping a mixtape. Oh yeah, actually, all eyes on me. Like it's like that. It's disrespect. I joke, I joke about main character energy, but it's ultimate main character energy. It's like just do the work. Yeah, getting hitched, but I ain't no. Yes, hitch. no, don't uh. no, don't start rapping on the podcast. You've done that before. Um, <laughs> you know the thing about Penenka is really you take a penalty and you clatter it towards one of the corners. You're giving yourself the double chance that even if the keeper gets a hand to it, the power will take it in, the power and the direction will take it in. A Penenka, you're basically saying, if you understand at any point what I'm doing, I'm done. And that's not only a risk you're taking for yourself, it's for your teammates. It's not like doing a drop shot in tennis in a tiebreak, right? It's just you. The risk is on you. Your teammates, generally speaking, unless like you're a penalty taker and you're like the greatest Penenka taker ever, you're basically saying to your teammates, I've chosen to indulge this high-risk technique you know, on a whim. Because don't get me wrong, Penenkas, there are situations where, and I've been in games where I've seen situations where people have used Penenkas or penalties down the middle as a strategic way of winning a shootout, right? I've seen that. But the difference is the level of expertise of the person trying it. There's very few players in history that you look at and be like, yeah, try a Penenka. Pillow, obviously, Sedan. It's a very short list of people you'd be like, yeah, actually, that's a strategic Santi Cazorla. Cazorla, absolutely. Because I don't know whether it's as frowned upon outside of England or the UK, for example. And I think it's all optics, right? Mm. In the same way that, I'll say English football specifically, because I don't want to speak for the rest of the UK as an Englishman. There's a thing very prevalent in English, in English football culture. Intent gets applauded for a lot of things when it really shouldn't be. Right. And this is why players like Alexi Sanchez, as a prime example, are often forgiven deep flaws in their game because they look like they're busy or they look like they're trying to do something absolutely like <laughs> That's so funny. Properly. Arsenal probably have an entire 11 of those players. I know. And you could build two Arsenal 11s in the last decade that have been probably overrated because of the, because the optics look good. 
Yeah. Oh my God, the Optics, the Optics 11. The Optics 11. And the separate <laughs> 11 that are completely underrated because the Optics were bad. <laughs> that is... The-, the underrated 11 with the bad Optics, I think, would beat the overrated 11 with the good Optics. Without 100%. question. Like the Mez- yeah, the Meza Ozil yeah. is the number two, is the all-star, is the underrated yeah. Optics. <laughs> All I'm saying is an Optics 11 of, of players who look like they're doing absolutely nothing, who are doing everything, who are incredible. Like, like Obviously, Victor Valdez is in goal in that Optics 11. Obviously, Victor Valdez is in goal. If we were both included, if we were both in the, you know, when you kind of pick teams old school, yeah, two captains, do you, do you think you'd be in the good Optics and I'd be in the bad <laughs> Optics? I think I'd be in the bad Optics. <laughs> I think, I don't know, um, I hate to say it, but I, <laughs> I was quite a presentational player. I think it's very much like the dynamic of this podcast. Everyone's just like, Musa does so much. Musa is so busy. He's always here. He's writing. He's doing this. He's doing that. I don't really know. Does Ryan- I've never been accused of that. Does Ryan really do anything? Listen. <laughs> listen. If you knew- Listen. <laughs> if you knew how the sausage hell. was made- <laughs> Who's just gallivanting around, you know, taking invitations to go and have fucking banquets in Oxford? I'm still sat in my fucking room the making podcasts. In East, in North yeah, Berlin. yeah. <laughs> How's that for your fucking optics? <laughs> anyway, we've gone, we've gone, we've gone. Right? Yeah, it's like in the same way that uh, I don't think, um, I don't think a corner gets a gets a roar as loud as it does in in England. Mm, that's for right. example that's right whereas actually statistically corners are not particularly great mm. so i think it's more of the kind of like oh you you tried to do something here that was really cheeky disrespectful potentially but ultimately quite creative because that's what the penenka is the penenka is an unbelievably creative or its original conception it was an unbelievably creative way of solving quite a high pressure problem yeah that's basically all it is yeah and I think Brilliant. that when people see high pressure problems being solved in quite a nonchalant way, it kind of freaks them out a bit. Yes. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's like a, this is such an intense situation. You should be taking this absolutely seriously. And even the, and I, and I genuinely believe that even when people take Penenkas, they are taking it absolutely seriously and they're, and it's their way of deceiving the opposition. Yes. Or deceiving the opponent. However, to people at home who or in the stadium, there's a lot of criticism of footballers with uh, this this sense of you should be taking this as seriously as I would if I was in this situation as a fan, and that's just mm. not that's just not what that's not what happened. Like, because if they did, then footballers wouldn't be able to function on the level that they do. I think, though, having said that, I think the criticism of the Penenka is still fair because, again, with this, it's a technical thing. If Ronaldinho is doing a Penenka and it doesn't work out, it's Ronaldinho. That is someone who not only has an advanced sense of probably solving, but also has the technique to execute it. The amount of things that have to go right for Penenka is the, disguise, is the art of disguise, right? If Roberto Baggio or Alex Del Piero go up to the spot and try a Penenka, you're like, yeah, fair play. Because that person, those players were known for changing their penalty taking technique, changing the direction of the penalties when the, play, when the keeper was falling. It's just an art. It's a rare skill. It's like, um, it's like a step back three, right? It's like a step back three. There mm. are certain players you're like, that's your bag. Luca Doncic has a step back three. That's, that's in your bag. That's your repertoire. If someone's trying something, if like, not to name names, but if certain NBA centers are trying like running floaters in the paint, you're like, no, that's not just- I mean, they are now. Just, the game's gone. 
I'm waiting to hear someone like Chuck or Shaq on NBA on TNT just be like, game's gone, Ernie. Game's Game's gone. gone. But so that, that's why the Panenka, I think, has issues. Um, and the problem is that it was tried so often before, it was tried so rarely, people weren't expecting it. But then when you start, when go- goalkeepers, the thing about Panenka is the problem it was trying to solve was keepers diving early. Keepers mm. diving early and low to either corner. When you see keepers doing that in a shootout, and often keepers would dive low and early just to sort of, just to get a sense of, I'm imposing myself on this contest, right? I'm choosing a corner. Um, but because Panenka started to become more commonplace, it was like, ah, this is a thing that's now a possibility. So then you see keepers standing tall. That's the Donnarumma style. Donnarumma, a good example. Donnarumma's body language against Lukaku, Italy, Belgium, where he's standing, arms out, stretched either post, and basically saying, I'm going to go down at the very last minute is the other end of that extreme. So mm-hmm. then when you start seeing as goalkeepers, the ball going in the corner and the keeper's like barely moving before it goes in. And that's the sort of the flip side of it. So it's funny how the Penenka has then affected the body language of the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper is now, because before the, how do I say this? The Panenka basically was a response to, it was an act of disguise in response to the goalkeeper. And now the goalkeeper's body language is an act of disguise in response to the attacker. It's almost gone full circle. Hmm. I, I think there should be actually a rule, a rule change in penalty shootouts. You can come off your line as early as possible. <laughs> that would be incredible. Imagine if you're allowed to rush. Yeah, basically it's a free spot. for all as soon as the referee blows the whistle. Do you know what, actually? No, 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 no. My, my genuine rule the chaos, is I'd like that, to see that. <laughs> one of each team's penalties in the first five must be a Penenka. <laughs> and then you kind of have this right. weird, like, like Russian, Russian roulette, roulette penalty Russian roulette. <laughs> and everyone's just a bit like, when's he going to do the Penenka? <laughs> you know, when's Ryan, he going to do it? Actually, because the thing is, genius. if you don't play it right, and then you get to the fifth penalty, the keeper knows. Wow! It flips the 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 thinking from the you. Right, I know one of these is. I know one of these is a is a Penenka. Russian roulette. <laughs> it is. Can we, can we, can we, no then. Right. Okay. Okay. One one thing I want to add to that. Then I love that idea. I mean, I still love the idea of like the second the penalty go, the second the whistle goes, you're allowed to rush the spot. Chaos. Yeah, you're allowed Ante, to do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. Up, yeah, Just rush. keep it coming out two footed. <laughs> the striker chips them. <laughs> but the thing I love about yours then, well, I want to change it then. I want it to be six penalties and then like one has to be a Penenka. <laughs> six penalties and one Penenka. That is incredible because you know it would get to 5-5 five, five so often and then it'd be like... <laughs> shit, shit, shit. Like we didn't expect to be here. We thought we'd win it by now, but now we have to do a Penenka. And so the trick is to like, take your Penenka early. Take your Penenka early yeah. in the count, like number one or two. Ryan, that's I think incredible. two. Two is the optimal. I think two is the optimal Penenka. Yeah, I think that I agree with that. Because to get ahead of the count mm. and then do the Penenka. That's yeah, brilliant, Brian. There we go. We solved penalties. I fix football. Fix football once again. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. 
Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Stephen Atong, I love this question. Oh no, it wasn't from Stephen Atong originally. It was from Daniel Coben, but Stephen Atom followed up with one of my favorite ever things on this subject. Daniel Coben, Spotify is set to become Barcelona's new shirt sponsor. If you could come up with one, what would be the most chaotic slash amazing slash hilarious club shirt sponsor combo? Stephen Atong said, my personal favorite is when Columbia Pictures sponsored that Letty. Do you remember that? And they just had yes, it's amazing. These, like Hellboy, Hitch. Actually, oh, Hitch was on there. I mentioned Hitch earlier on. Mm. The Spider-Man thing. And they had the Spider-Man at the outside of the uh, Vicente Calderon climbing up the side of it. Great era for sponsors. Do you know what some, I love about that? Oh my God. The most chaotic. Um, which football teams? I think, I think, I think that's a, that's a really one. great... Newcastle should have Tinder as a sponsor. Oh my God, that's chaotic. Because they are swiping right on absolutely everyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they are swiping right. They've got the, they bought the subscription. They are just like super like, super like, super like, super like. Um, <laughs> gosh, the most chaotic combination or the best combination of club and sponsor. Oh, not chaotic, but fitting. I think like Burnley sponsored by like home base is so on brand. So Burnley just to be sponsored by kind of like, you know, nuts and bolts, like sensible, like sensible brand for a sensible club. I can see but that. Also, you know, they have the tendency to sprinkle a little bit of not like home base has got like a good, got a good plant section. Yeah. It's very sort of sense. You know what I mean? It's a sensible, it's like a brand alignment. Um, I think Napoli are actually quite, I like to see Napoli do something quite chaotic actually. Like um, Atlanta, I'd put with Marvel Studios, I think. Would you? Because I think Atlanta, yeah, I think because. Hey, your boy Robin Gosens is gone. Yeah, I know. That's a great signing for Inter, though. It's a great signing for Inter, and I'm really happy because I pays a bit of money in Atlanta's coffers. Um, mm. And they've just got, they've got a production line. I mean, Gosens is just great, but Atalanta, that's what Inter needed as well. It's such a smart signing, mm. I think, for them. Um, but Napoli were sponsored by. Mars. So I love that because it was kind of like, yeah, just, you know, there's, there's something about like a sweet, a confectionery company sponsoring Napoli that just feels right mm. because the football, there's a, te- I think Napoli, like it's, it's the taste, isn't it? It's like a kind of, um, if, an, if, look, if Napoli, put it this way, if Napoli launched a chocolate bar, I'm on it. Like if Napoli were like, oh, we're rolling out like not a new kit this year, but we're just doing like a, oh my goodness, Ryan, 
I would be, that would be, oh my gosh. Well, you know what? They've had, what, 10 kits this year, Napoli, I think, or something? They've won 10 different kits this year. Waiting for if, Na- if Napoli kids, if Napoli launched a chocolate bar and a coffee range going along with it and going, okay, here are chocolates. And then like, uh, oh my God, everyone's like blown away by how delicious it is. And then four days later, they drop like, oh, and here's a cafe Kramer to go along with it. End game. Honestly, that just to me, <laughs> Napoli, like a, <laughs> I just feel like, oh, I take my money. <laughs> mm. I'll fly to Naples to like grab a case and take it out because they're one of the few clubs that could pull that off in terms of what they mean and like the, the, the mystery and the, the magic. Like literally, if I went into a coffee shop and ordered a Napoli, like a type of coffee, that's the thing I could see myself asking for. Yes, not to <laughs> push my agenda, my Napoli agenda. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Sassuolo sponsored by Ferrari. That's mine. Ooh. The, the, only, the only problem furious. is that they play in green and black, which isn't mm. Ferrari's famed colours, but you have like, Sassuolo is in the same region as Maranello, which is where Ferrari are based. That to me Ooh. is just so good. It feels, feels, feels wonderful. Imagine yeah, a Sass yeah. kit just with the prancing horse on the front and that's it. No, no words, just the, the prancing horse. Do you know what? In a way, certainly a third kit. Imagine a red third kit. Just a red a, third kit oh with a prancing, God. that's only I mean, a Ferrari red third kit red. with a prancing horse. And like the numbers should be the same as like this last year in F1, they had like these old school kind of quite um, nostalgic numbers on the front of the Ferrari. That's mine. Sassuolo and Ferrari. Ryan, that, that's, and that's the thing, and that could work because you could then, it could be like, main kit's always green, but like some of the training stuff, um, some of the kind of peripheral stuff. Well, just, just a red away kit. Red away kit. Yeah, and, have, and having the horse going through it. Yeah. A black prancing horse on the front of a black and green striped kit with the, like a nice Unreal. outline if it's on the black stripe. That'd look really good, I think. Iconic, yeah. I love go. that. I love, I love that for them. There you go. Bit of brand is like a bit of creative for you. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Napoli coffee and Ferrari Sassuolo. Exactly. <laughs> this one from Joel Hins. If you had to pick a famous song as the pod theme, what would it be? He said he's voting for We Didn't Start the Fire. That would be good, actually, because you could, you could redo the lyrics of We Didn't Start the Fire. You know, he's just saying names, right? You could just do them like... That's a lovely suggestion, but I actually think I've got a different suggestion. I would go for Self-Preservation Society because at the end of the Italian job, they start singing that and they're on the very brink of chaos, but never quite falling. I'm not sure if they fall. I feel like this podcast is that. I feel like it's just one push away from going over the edge. See, I go for the Self-Preservation <sighs> Society. Famous songs. I mean, we have to go like big, big, all-time platinum level music. Mm. That's really tough. I mean, I personally think that, you know, I'm always into optimism out of a sense of chaos. So I would always go with Move On Up, the extended version. Oh, the, the uh, extended version of that is so good. It's unreal. It's the one, it's, that's, my fa- that's my favorite song of all time. It's Mayfield, by the way. Yeah, it's my favorite song of all time. I just feel like that song has, it encapsulates everything. Like this podcast looks at the serious things in football and the difficult parts, but always tries to draw something positive out of it this is a very very tough question I mean, you could just go like full UGK international players anthem <laughs> <laughs> all the football players out there imagine if every episode of Stadio was just like and I, Amusa, I choose you maybe maybe get everyone hype Great refrain. Can you imagine getting like clearance from Outcast to use that? 
I mean, yeah, that'd be incredible. Was, it was, was Andre's legendary, legendary verse on that? Is that his, yeah. his verse, isn't it? That's like the legendary one. Yeah, it's UGK featuring Outcast. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'd go for that <laughs> just because why not? Yeah. And we could put, put it's like international football players anthem. So there you go. Can I just say, if Andre, no, that's ridiculous. No, no stop it. Don't even dream. No, 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 no. no. Don't even dream. All right, let's have um, this one from Adam, 3-5-Who. What do you think is the most underappreciated attribute in a footballer? I think I might have even said this before. Balance. Huh. Because balance preserves you from injury. Mm -hmm. It allows you to absorb contact, right, in tackles. When you're receiving position, like the thing about balance is it's the most efficient skill. It's like, it's like what's the... um, fuel efficiency in a car it's like that mm. the better balance you have the less you put your muscles out of whack when receiving position so that's why you can play like you know a lot of those players with good balance play with minimal injury throughout their careers first of all it's the thing that Sir Alex Ferguson always mentioned in relation to great players right it's the first thing he would talk about and obviously he had one of the greatest eyes for great players and just because it's the economy of movements so you see people like Tony Kroos for example Andres Iniesta there's such a con- economical styles of play like you know Luka Modric that's a key reason for longevity. Mm. So yeah, I would say balance. Yeah. I'd say decision-making. Because I think that's appreciated. I don't actually, I mean, it kind of goes to what we were saying earlier, because I think that quite often in football, Mm. some of the best decisions are the least eye-catching. And I think therefore Mm, that, that people will, will sometimes assume that people are not as good as they actually are because their decision-making is so good. And sometimes that, mm. that can, I think I've said this before on the podcast, and I think that that can lead to some players just not really being noticed for how good they are. Mm. That's why I actually still think that for, for a long period of time, like Iniesta went underrated because I think so much of his decision-making, Iniesta's a bit of a weird example, but I still think that that's the case because I think so much of his decision-making was so good that sometimes it might be the most boring thing to do. And it goes to that, that level of like intent, you know, like sometimes a three-yard pass to another player on your team to circulate possession might be the best decision. It's why Chavi's still underrated, yeah. Yeah, it's the reason that I say decision-making. Yeah. I think it can impact so many other attributes of a footballer's skill set. Mm. And I think good decision-making often leads to maximizing other areas, you know, like when to, yeah. when to break the lines, when to, where to position yourself, where to, and mm. my, this maybe sounds a bit, a little bit too generic, but I do think it's such a thing that we just assume all professional footballers, elite footballers have great decision-making. I don't think we do. Like I remember talking to Wrighty on Wrighty's house about it once and saying that, you know, like to me, what makes it, what makes a footballer great is split into two things. It's the actual skill set and the mental side of it so like the decision making various bits like that and if you Mm. you can be ability wise you can be the best player of all time but if you have poor decision making I don't think that makes you the greatest player of all time does that make sense that's so fun yeah it does and it's so fun no I completely agree with that the funny thing is I, I feel like there's been a conversation that's ongoing I feel like we're getting to a point luckily we're in an era where bad decision making is getting shown up more I think we're in a generation where that conversation is only really beginning in earnest. And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. statistics, shout out to the stats crowd who get a lot of like flack, but I think that one they've been great at is really drawing out, you know, when you see the kind of stats about 
you know, pass creation, key passes, it really is exposing people that aren't making good choices. Mm-hmm. Even stuff like offsides, offsides is a basic example, but how often have we talked about like poor movement along the line, um, <clears throat> failure to like draw players, isolate players. I think that's a thing that, and also like, you know, stats like packing where you have passes that take out entire groups of players. Mm. So I think that we're luckily in a point, we're in a place where, you know, that we're starting to appreciate players we didn't before. I mean, I still think someone like Modric is underrated simply because Modric is someone who, even if you try to watch Modric an entire game, you can find yourself drifting from him because you're like, he's not doing that much in quotes. And then about 10 minutes later, you'll be like, oh my goodness, the reason this team is under so much horrifying pressure is because Modric, even though he hasn't touched the ball for the last five minutes, has applied all the pressure because he's orchestrated the movement of this team up the pitch. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Well, sometimes footballers are judged with the mentality of what is needed for solo sports. So for example, mm. like you could say that, not a massive fan of the guy, but Novak Djokovic has that kind of same like intensity and singular focus to win no matter what mm. as certain footballers but that might work in individual tennis however mm. when you have 10 other components that are integral to you succeeding on the pitch on your side at any one time it's just an opinion i'm not sure if there's any real data to back it up but that 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 clouds my personal opinion on certain football players in the sense that like yeah i know you're the you're potentially or Ability-wise, you're the greatest, maybe, on any side that you're on at any time. However, if, say, for example, I'm throwing out a stat, but like if, if 70% of the decisions that you make are, are too individualist based on what you want to do as opposed to is what is the best thing to do for the team to, to succeed, that doesn't mean that... I think people, when people hear something like that, I think quite often it's, it makes them think, well, everyone's just going to kind of pass it around and no one's going to score and no one's going to take hold of the game. Like, no, I disagree. There have been some unbelievable players that have come through. That if they had better decision making on top of all of that actual ability that they have, they would have been X amount better. And, and I think it's yeah, really important. Yeah, that's completely right. Yeah. Because, yeah. because thought, you succeed yeah, as a group, you don't succeed as an individual in football. I mean, you can with Ballon d'Ors and all of these kind of things, but in terms of actual trophy winning, the other 10 players on the pitch and the other people in the squad, there has to be a cohesion. There has to be a certain level of ability for everyone to succeed. Oh yeah, sure, people like alphas, but I think that an alpha can also have really good decision making. It has to. I don't think that just being an alpha means you're just like, give me the ball, I'm going to do this, this and this. I don't think an alpha can be an alpha in football without great decision making. I think that that's the most important talent. Like when I look at great, it's funny because I literally wrote a book about greatness in football. And I think that mm. the most important of all those attributes was vision. Like vision was the one, like the ability to see the pattern for me, if you talk about greatness in football and debating who's great and who's not and what attributes are greatest, for me, it was like the great players, the greatest players of all time are orchestrators. They don't just dominate their position. They dominate the space around their position. So you look at mm. like Manuel Neuer. Manuel Neuer dominated an entire third and sometimes an entire half of a pitch at a time, right? An entire half. You had Erebato Carlos, who dominated an entire flank. You had Zidane, mm dominated everything within 70 yards of him routinely, right? Or you, you had like, you know, peak Gareth Bale, you know, peak, you know, peak Ronaldo, peak, peak Cristiano Ronaldo, both of them Portuguese and Brazilian. There was a point where they received possession and within 50 yards of goal, you were in danger. And there's Leo Messi who could receive the ball in his own half 
15 meters from the halfway line and you're already in trouble. Like the goal he scored against Man City is the classic example. Mm. Messi gets the ball 10 yards inside his own half and you're looking up and going, they're all already dead. Uh-oh. Like yeah. Messi has already mapped it out and it's, it's done. Like it's over. At that point, you could have literally blown the whistle and said, you know what? Back to the halfway line. Like what? Well, Messi's already scored. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're going to get 15 yards close to this man. He's going to put it in that corner and it's done. Like, and I think, yeah, vis- vision, the ability to spot patterns before anyone else sees them. It's yeah. like Robert Lewandowski, for prime example. There have been strikers throughout history that have had the talent of Robert Lewandowski. What Rob- makes Robert Lewandowski so special is that if you look at him through a game, he knows exactly when the time is right to maximise that skill set. But if it's not, he is another component in a, in a side that, that is solely about creating the optimal situation for him to then unleash that. And that is elite decision-making. There are many, many, many players yeah. who have got all of the talent that anyone could have, yet they don't have that decision-making of someone like a Lewandowski, for example. And I think- I love that you mentioned him. Yeah, yeah, carry on, sorry. Strikers often get accused of being selfish and just goals, goals, goals. And if they don't score, they're not happy. But actually sometimes, even if you're the main number nine in a side, sometimes the best thing for the game might not actually be a situation where you end up in a scoring position, but someone else. I think that's what Lewandowski has this unbelievable balance of doing. He is still an absolute goal machine. Yet his decision-making is never solely about him getting on the score sheet. And that's, I think, super rare for someone that prolific. Absolutely. No, I love, I love that you've said that. I mean, you know, that's funny because the more we talk, I just think of just doing podcasts about vision. We did oh, one we on passing, do, but it's slightly yeah, different. Yeah, we should a do. Podcast on, a podcast on vision, a podcast on decision-making in terms of, like I've always talked about, I said this a thousand times, but there's two things I want to mention quickly. The first is, the Chavi performance in the semi-final uh, 2011, mm. I mentioned this before, the, nil, the 2-0 first leg where he only loses possession in, in, in areas where it's safe to lose possession. Mm. And the second one is the Lewandowski performance, the Dortmund, the 4-1 against Real Madrid. That isn't, abs- it's funny because obviously Lewandowski's greatest fame has come at Bayern, mm. but his masterpiece arguably came against Real Madrid. That 4-1 against Real Madrid, I think it was Jose Mourinho's Real Madrid, was an absolute attacking clinic masterclass, finishing school, whatever you want to call it, just someone with an acute awareness. It was almost like, um, it was sound pretentious, but what the hell? If you went to, obviously right, I'm Oxford. on the university grounds. If, yeah, if you had, if Robert Lewandowski gave a lecture at Oxford, first of all, it'd be one of the most popular lectures of all time. Can you imagine like <laughs> Lewandowski's going to lecture on finishing? Lewandowski gave a lecture on finishing and he had a bunch of like physicists in the front row. They'd be like, how did he hit those angles? Like there is, there's such an art, this is another podcast, but there is such an art to making the right choice at the right time. And what I'd love to do actually, Ryan, is a separate thing. I'd love to like talk to great players about what's the greatest footballing decision that you made Mm. that 99% of people that watch football wouldn't notice. So what's what's your most underrated great footballing decision? And I'm sure someone like Iniesta would be like, oh, actually it was like maybe the Spain-Turkey game I talk about a lot. It was Spain-Turkey when I just basically made the last minute sprint from the halfway line back to the six-yard box to receive possession. That's the best choice I made that most people wouldn't clock. It's going to be stuff like that, actually. Mm. You talk to Modric about, oh, what was the best choice you made? Oh, like Getafe four years ago, I stepped up five yards at 37 minutes. And you're like, yeah, it's, and I want, I'd, I'd love to like, I'd, actually we should ask Ian that. I'd love to get, I'd love to get that, um, yeah, I might, do. I might, I might, I might do. So there we go. There we go. Thanks. 
Amazing question, that. I reckon I'll do it. So I, I quite enjoyed this, like, slight meandering through a couple of questions today as opposed to just cramming them all. Panenka, brand, fashion, like... Panenka sponsors skill sets. And decisions. Love it. Nice name for an EP. Panenka sponsors skill sets. Quite a nice name for an EP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've got one coming out soon. That you can, you can. Oh, no, <laughs> releasing everything. <laughs> uh, let's get out of here. Let's do it. All right. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that boost if you can. Check Stadio Outros players on Spotify. Check Stadio.football. Sign up for our newsletter. Should be one going out next week. Back in the next week. Playing out this episode on Sil Johnson. Absolute classic. Concrete reservation. Musa, anything to add? No, I just want to say very quickly on that, well, on that, on that album, the 1969 release date for that album is really incredible because all the things that are happening politically at that moment to drop Amazing music of that album. quality at that time. Amazing album. What I love about musicians is they have the ability to drop music just when the people need it. Mm. I'll always rate that. But yeah. So nothing else Decision apart making. from that? Decision making. No, no that's it. No more conspiracy theories. a couple of things theories. saying, when's Musa going to drop a take <laughs> at the end of a... <laughs> oh, I think it was Holly Ballin. I think it was Holly Ballin. who's just like, when's Musa going to drop a take at the end? Uh, don't worry, we'll get him one day, everyone. We'll get him one day. You will. All right, have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. And we'll be back on Monday. See you then. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8am. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. 
I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.